0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. We're in a series, we're talking about underrated, overrated, where we're talking about, we're looking at, according to scripture, things that are uh, in, in life, in world, maybe things that we value that are overrated. Or things that we look at in life that are underrated and actually have great value to us. Like I don't want to get um, to through my life and realize, oh, this was not as advertised. Like because there's no return policy on life. Um, Amazon's got a good return policy, but life not so much. So I want to have what God has for me, um, and uh, and what He does to experience life and life to the full. So. Uh, We're looking at um, underrated, overrated, so we're going to continue with that today. Um, Something that I really enjoy is, uh, is hiking like, aside from my multiple jokes of complaining about hiking, uh, complaining about hiking up there, if you've hiked with me, my complaining about it while I'm there, um, I really do enjoy hiking. Uh, but my, my favorite things about hiking is summiting the, the, the mountain, getting to the peak and summiting the mountain and, and overseeing. And you get up there and you can just see for miles and miles, the mountain, the peaks, and it's like, this is amazing. Uh, the other part, is when I get down and I can sit down and take off my hiking shoes. But my real favorite one is getting to the top of the mountain and summiting and just overlooking. And 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 something I like in my uh, YouTube rabbit trails I've recently been watching are like when people summit or hike up and they summit. Everest or K2, which is taller than Everest, and how they go up there, and I'm like, that is amazing. And then I see the lines that it takes them, and I'm like, oh, I'd never do that. Uh, But I sometimes think about that, how amazing it would be to summit and to to get to the mountaintops, to get to the mountaintops. And uh, uh, with hiking, though, of course, is every time you summit or you get to the mountaintop, eventually you do have to come down. Right? Like you can't stay up there um, forever. Like there are guys who stay up in Everest forever, but there's a reason and it's a little dark. So we'll talk about that over a hot dog during the barbecue. But uh, in hiking, uh, getting to the summit's amazing, to the mountaintop's amazing, but eventually you have to walk back down. I think in life, we, we like to mountaintops. Where we get to the mountaintops of life, where things are like, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. In, in the natural, like, right, when, when there's amazing moments, like you're, you're hiking and you get to the top, or there's those experiences, or you achievement in your career, or, you know, like vacation, you're like, it doesn't get better than this. And rotate, right? And it's amazing. Or as well, I think as Christians, we often seek those mountaintop moments with God. Those mountaintop moments where it is a powerful service, where it is like God is just downloading to us, where the presence of God is so thick, or you're like reading your devotion and and, and, and your Bible and God is just downloading to you and it's like, Oh my goodness, this is a mountaintop experience where God is talking to me. He's speaking to me. He's ministering to my heart. This is a word, and you encounter God. I don't know about you, but I like those moments. It's so good. Like last worship night we had, even last service we had, I'm like, oh my goodness, God just spoke to my heart. It was so good, and I like that. In the Old Testament, We see many people meet with God, encounter God, worship God on a mountaintop. We see Moses, he encounters God on a mountaintop, Uh, the burning bush, right? We've talked about it actually a few weeks ago, the burning bush. God calls Moses, calls him to God's plan, speaks of who he is, who he's been created to be, and he calls him on a mountaintop. Uh, and, and God uses him from there. Moses receives 10 commandments, the commandments from God, on a mountaintop. He receives the blueprints for the tabernacle where how the presence of God will be on earth at the time with the ark and the, the tent around it. He receives that on a mountaintop moment where he is encountering and God is talking to him. We see uh, Noah, He after the flood, he lands on a mountaintop. He waits some time and then gets out on the mountaintop. He worships God. Uh, then we see even Elijah, he's on a mountaintop and God shows up big. God shows up powerful. God moves. And it is incredible on the mountaintop. He shows up powerfully. Throughout scripture, we see God actually moving and people encountering God and God moments on mountaintops. And mountaintop moments are so powerful. They're life-changing. They're refreshing. They're like, wow, that was good. But as with hiking, You can't live on the peak. Eventually, you have to come back down from the mountaintop. Right, you eventually have to come down from the mountaintop. Everybody we see in scripture, they went up to the mountain, but they eventually had to come down from the mountaintop. You know, Moses, he came down again. Elijah, he came down again. Abraham, he came down again. Solomon, Noah, uh, Saul, they all came down again. And they all came down from the mountaintop. And I think at times we can overfocus on mountain moments, if you know what I mean. On we can overfocus on mountain moments in in daily life, like, okay, if I get like to the mountaintop or the pinnacle here of like if I get that promotion, or if like if I go on vacay, or if I if I get to this point in life when it's gonna be amazing and I'll get there. And I think actually, even we can overfocus on mountaintop moments with God. Now, if you took that clip and you take it out, I'm speaking heresy. Leave, a ch- leave this church. Find another one. But let me explain: is I think we can overfocus on mountaintop moments with God, um, because if uh, because now mountaintop moments with God are vital. They're powerful. They can be life changing but we can overfocus on mountaintop moments like I've encountered God in the moments but undervalue and under underrate this how we come down from that mountaintop moment See, if we undervalue how we come down from that mountaintop moment, how do I return after I have encountered God and God speaks to me? How do I return or come back down after, God, after being in God's heavy presence? How do I come down? How am I changed in my life? Like, how am I living out this mountaintop moment after? Because we can have like the mountaintop moment uh, in life, of wow, this was incredible, or with God, but we can come back down, and be the exact same, or go to the uh, life as usual. And I think if we do, we're actually missing something, because uh, a mountaintop moment is not just to be a moment there of like, oh, let me tell you about this really cool experience one time. See Moses, when when he came down from the mountain, he was changed. There was a transformation in his life after he encountered God. He changed, it actually completely changed how he did life. It changed his trajectory of where he was going. And so if we uh, undervalue or overlook how we return or come back from the mountaintop, I think it will be just that. It will be a mountaintop moment and no more. Right in terms of natural life, if it's like i know i I, I had a friend, he. He was like, okay, I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. So they, he, they went on vacation for two weeks. We joined them for one week. It was in Mexico. It was amazing. It was pre-kids. So it was like no stress whatsoever. And then we touched down in Canada and it's like literally he gets one text and all of a sudden he's fired up. He's like wound up. He's so stressed up. And it was like, he was on the vacation. He was like, this is amazing. This is so good. But then as soon as he touched down on Canadian soil, it, all of a sudden, he was stressed out again. He was freaked out again. He was like, ah, again. And why is because, well, this amazing experience, but it just stayed there and it didn't affect him. Uh, I know as well, I used to work for uh, a, a businessman and I went with him. Uh, to a uh, business summit that works out well for the uh, story about um, mountains. But it was a business summit. The, the guy that I worked for, he paid like 10 grand to go and it was great information. It was, it was really good. We're like, oh yeah, this would be so good. This would be so good. But then he, we got back and it was just like going back to normal. Nothing changed. Nothing from the summit, we came back to normal. I think we can even have mountaintop moments with God where the presence of God is so thick, where God is speaking to you, where you can get a prophetic word, where God like reads your mail and speaks to you. You can can have that moment, but come down right back as the same as before, where, where nothing has changed. And if so, I think if that's the case, we're missing something in that moment. You know, we see Elijah, he saw God show up big. He saw God show up strong, big time, on a mountain, right? Uh, uh, King um, Ahab and Jezebel, at the time, they had killed all the prophets of the Lord, except Elijah. There was a drought. They had no water. And uh, and, uh, uh, Elijah, he says, okay, listen, listen. Everybody come with me to this mountain. Mount Carmel. We'll pick up in 1 Kings verse 18. 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 19 says this. Now, summon all Israel, this is Elijah, to join me on Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, uh, who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Then the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, this is a lot of scripture, but... It's good. I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bowls. He lays out, we're bringing two bowls. You guys make a sacrifice and bottom line, whoever uh, calls on their God to burn the sacrifice and it happens that this, that they are God. Okay? So whoever, when you call, whoever's burnt offering is lit, they are God. So the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, um, they are building this altar and they call on Baal. They like whip themselves. They do chants. They do everything that they can think of and nothing. If you read the scripture, it actually says that Elijah is like mocking them. He's like biblical smack talk. Um, and, And so Finally, Elijah, he, he then, he gathers 12 stones, builds an altar, he puts the wood on the altar, he cuts the bowl into pieces, he digs a trench. Why do you need a trench? Well, because he says, bring me 12 um, buck uh, twelve jugs of water. And he, in a drought, which means no water, he takes 12 massive jugs, something so valuable, pours it on the wood. If you've ever gone camping, you know that is bad um, for fire. And so he pours it onto the the wood, and then he prays. He prays, and then this is what happens, is in 1 Kings 18.36, it says this. 1 Kings 18.36, it says, at the usual time uh, for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet, walked up to the altar, prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command, the Lord, uh, oh Lord, answer me, answer me so these people will know that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, so this is a God moment on a mountain. Immediately, fire, uh, uh, immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burnt up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust, and even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell, uh, uh, fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. So this is a God moment. This is powerful. God is moving in power, in strength. You want like, you, like this is like, whoa, God showed up. God showed up. Uh, the next chapter tells us that he sees the prophets. Elijah kills them all. And you're like, oh, okay, Josiah, we're talking about this on a barbecue day. Yes, but this is a powerful God encounter. The, he, he, God moved so powerfully. Uh, if you were Elijah, if I was Elijah, maybe you'd be starting thinking, oh yeah, this is good. And you go forward and you're like, if God is for me, who can be against me? Like, I got this. But Elijah didn't stay on Mount Carmel. He didn't build a little tea house up there and just you know, come on the hike of Mount Carmel and see where this happens. No, he had to go down. He came down. And as he, when he came down, Queen Jezebel heard what he did to all the prophets, killing all the prophets, and she threatened him and said, I am going to kill you by day's end. And Elijah was so afraid that he ran. So he just had this amazing, amazing encounter with God where God showed up powerfully, where it's won against 850 other prophets, where God answered him, like where there was no question. Where's the bull? It's gone because it was burnt up by the, by the fire from heaven. But yet he ran, and we see in um, uh, 1 Kings 19.4 that he actually uh, ran away And he wanted to then, he said, Lord, take my life. Like, I want to die because he was being pursued by the queen. And I'm like, hang on. You just had a mountaintop experience. You just had God show up. You're like, you said God proved that you're real. God proved he was real. You did the things and you know you hear from God. You're like, you just like killed like 800 people and like, and now you're running from this one. This is crazy, but it shows me that you can have a mountaintop experience where God's so powerful. He moves so powerfully where God speaks to you, where you feel the presence of the Lord, where God reads your mail, where it's it's like God speaks to your heart and yet you can come down and come back just the same or even like Elijah come even worse. I think Elijah, he must, he missed something in his mountaintop moment. See, mountaintop moments, they're good. We need them. I need them. But the question is: how do I come back down from that mountaintop? After that that encountering of the Lord, how do I come back down? How do I, another word to say is, how do I go forward after this? After God has has touched my heart, how do I go forward? If my focus and goal is only getting to like that mountaintop of like, I just need to be here to just experience God and that's it, I think we can miss something. I think you become a a peak hopper where you go to the mountaintop and then the valleys, you experience the valleys. The peaks are great, but when you're not there, the valleys are so low. It's so hard, it's so rough. And then you get to another peak, I'm good. And then you feel the valley again. And the valley is so low. And then we can become, if we, if we are only seeking those moments, I think we can be uh, like hoarders of prophetic words. We can become co- uh, conference junkies. We can be like, okay, I only want this moment. But how do we go from those times, which God has for us, you guys with me? Those times where God's with us, And how do we come down well and live it out? I think we see it actually in Moses, is that when God called Moses, and he had that moment on the mountaintop, he had many. But when God called Moses on the mountaintop, he received from God, he received an impartation from God. God ministered to him, but then he applied it to his life. That it wasn't just a cool experience that he told the sheep and his father-in-law when he got back. That he actually took what the Lord imparted to him and spoke to him and then applied it to his life. That, that, that actually that he took the instruction, go to Egypt. And even though he was imperfect, you read how many times he tried to rebuttal God and said, ah, oh, there's someone else. He actually applied it. And what did he do? He went to Egypt. He did what God had said for him to do. Uh, Moses' mountaintop uh, experience, he, he received instruction, impartation from the Lord uh, to, of how to build the tabernacle. He didn't say, I got really cool. Like, I like, can see it in my mind. It's amazing. It's so good. He then went forward from there and he built the tabernacle. He got them to build it. He applied what he received from God. I think it's, it's important for us not just, to, not just to be like, okay, I'm going to get to the mountaintop, if you will, or I'm gonna receive from the Lord, but to then apply it to our lives. Man, that was a powerful service where God spoke to my heart. Okay, now how am I going to take this mountaintop experience? What God said to my heart, what God what, like where I felt the goosebumps of like, Lord, you saw me, how am I then going to apply this to my life and walk it out? Oh, I'm reading my, my word and God speaks to me like a now scripture. Okay, how am I now going to apply this to my life? I, I, I go to worship night and the presence of the Lord is just so thick and, so, and God just brings so much freedom. Okay, now how am I going to apply this to my life? Because life is full of like normal moments right? Like the most of life is full of normal moments. Like, uh, but, or, or you could even say, I wouldn't say mundane, but maybe you say mundane. And that mountaintop moment, I really think it be, it's to become a mandate for the, the mundane and normal of your life. That God gives you instruction and, and for things for you to follow in as you then go forward. So the mountaintop moment is for then you to get, receive instruction from the Lord for then the rest and the other parts of your life. Uh, John, or James 1, says this. Uh, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, uh, word, accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Do what it says. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, the law of love uh, that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, I think we're supposed to not just hear. We're not just supposed to like experience. I've, I've climbed the mountain or I've gotten to this place that we're actually then supposed to, okay, Lord, there's something in here where you then have, where it's gonna change my life, gonna change how I'm doing things, how I'm going forward. And when we apply what's been imparted into our life, I believe then our lives are then transformed. We walk in the plans and the purposes of the Lord, um, whether it's in the natural where you, if you learn something to apply it rather than just, oh, I read this or I took this, I apply it. And spiritually, when we apply what God has said to us. Um, Another account as I was studying mountains that uh, really stood out to me uh, was actually uh, where a father and son went up a mountain and they worshiped. And from that point, afterwards, For thousands of years, people went up to that mountain to do the very same thing, to worship God. I'm talking about Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't have kids. They were in old age, and God supernaturally provided them with a son, Isaac. And uh, Isaac was the promised son. God provided for them. And in Genesis 22, verse 1, It says this, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here here I am. Then he said, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of uh, Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So they go up the mountain. Verse three continues and says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkeys and took uh, two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, I like the lad, and I, thanks King James, and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham, he went up that mountain from a position of faith, that he had faith that God would provide, that we will come back down again. Then uh, in verse six, it says this, it says, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and two of them went together. But Isaac spoke, uh, spoke to, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, "My father." And he said, uh, "Here am I, my son." Then he said, "Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering?" And then he says, uh, "Abraham said, "My son, God will provide for himself a lamb, a burnt offering." And so they walk up to where this mount. They get to the mountaintop. As a father, I'm very uncomfortable with this story. Um, and and he, 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 he makes the altar. Isaac lays down and he's about to sacrifice his son. And then an angel of the Lord says, don't lay hands on him. Uh, there is a ram. God provides a ram in the bushes for him. And long story short, is that then the ram is then sacrificed in the place of Isaac. And they sacrifice the ram, and they worship God there. And they worship God there. And then what happened is then they, of course, came down. Now, Solomon built, his, built the temple on that very same mountain, where the presence of God was, where God provided, and he built the temple and so for all Jews, they would walk up the mountain, encounter God, worship him there, and then come back down. For thousands of years, they would walk up the, this mountain, this same mountain, worship God, sacrifice, and come back down. And they would do this over and over and over. And to this day, to this day people are still going to the Temple Mount, to be in the presence of the Lord or be to this holy place and to walk up the mountain, encounter God, but then come back down. They walk up again and then they come down again. And, and this story alone is, is a, a messed up story. If it's a, just a standalone story, like, um, are you serious? This is messed up. But this is actually a prophetic reenactment of God's great redemption plan for humanity. See, it is God working and, and showing pre-ahead, a type and a shadow, or pre-playing what his plan was for humanity. A type and shadow of God's plan for Jesus, for him to send Jesus. See, Isaac was a, uh, the only son and he was loved. Jesus, he's the only, he was a loved son, the only son of God, God in flesh. Isaac carried the wood for his own sacrifice up the hill. Jesus carried a wooden cross up the hill. Uh, the ram, a male lamb, was provided for a sacrifice so Isaac did not have to die. Jesus, who John the Baptist declared, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was that lamb of God. And so on the Mount of Calvary, on Galgotham, which you could actually see the Temple Mount and from Galgotham where Jesus laid down his life, Jesus sacrificed, he climbed up that mountain, brought his cross, he went up as the ram, he went up once and for all as the sacrifice so that he died on that mountain to pay the price for your sin and my sin so that today we no longer have to go up the mountain and down the mountain mountain with God. You no longer have to go up the mountain to encounter him and then down again uh, and leave him. Because of this is because the Bible now says that, that we actually now can remain in him. That we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because Jesus was the lamb of God that now we are reconciled with God that we no longer have to be down to one place of I go up to see God and I come back down. In James 4 it says this. James 4, verse 21 says this. It says, uh, let's see, James 4, verse 21 says, Jesus replied, so a lady said, Where are we going to worship? The same um, account that Jesus or that uh, Jay said about Jesus at the well. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will. Uh, "When it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Why? Because the time is coming, and Jesus says, the time is now where we can now worship Him in spirit and in truth. That we're not limited to a location or limited of coming and going into the presence of God. That we can actually now, that the temple was at one time on a mountain. Today the temple is, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That today you can actually remain in Him. That you can actually now, because the Spirit of God is is in you, and that that now we no longer have to go up a mountain, down a mountain. We no longer have to travel, make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and then come back. No, today we can be in His presence and remain in Him. That now as we can be uh, temples, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So no matter if you're on the highs of life or the lows of life, you can actually continue and reside and perpetually be with him in a mountaintop where God leads you, guides you, encounters you, uh, or you encounter him where he directs you. So it doesn't have to be, where is life good? Am I going up there? Oh, now I can encounter him. No, it's wherever you are, that he is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But the same thing as, as what all the people in the Old Testament did is they had to come back down. I want to encourage you with this today is that you, you are continually, if you will, on that mountaintop, that you are continually meeting with, with God. But don't take that for granted of, okay, I'm just continually there, but how am I going to allow meeting with him impact and change my life how am i going to move from being continually with him and where god is speaking and then follow him i think today really we get to do what jesus has said and it's simple as this is 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 to follow him when he invites us to follow him and when we do um follow him it's applying what he says do what he says I love that is that we don't need to go up and down, but that we can remain in him to follow him. And then not just, okay, I got something. I like, I'm in your presence. This is great. I feel good. This is great. But then apply it to our lives. Thank you for joining us for the thrive church podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.